Welcome to another week of Pastor's Class as we walk through the study on respectable sins. Uh, we're using Jerry Bridges' book, Respectable Sins, as a guide uh, for this study. Hopefully you picked up a copy. As you uh, walk through that, we've talked about the idea of respectable sins, what they are. Uh, it's, a, it's an odd phrase, but, but respectable sins are sins that uh, we oftentimes commit them, but we hardly give them a second thought. In other words, uh, uh, you might have started to, to commit ungodliness or unthankfulness, but you don't really think much about it. It, it. it sometimes becomes almost like an underground river of sin that's functioning in our life, but we don't even know that it's going on. And the same is true for discontentment today as we look at uh, discontentment about the things the Lord has given us. Now, last week is connected to this week. Kyler talked about anxiety, which is, you know, a, a bit of a, a lack of faith in the future and what's going to happen in front of us. He talked about frustration, which is this lack of faith in what's going on in the moment. You, you're frustrated with the now, usually dealing with immediate things. But for uh, this study, we're going to look at discontentment, which is a, a lack of faith in an ongoing circumstance. These are oftentimes ongoing, unchanging things about our life that create this feeling of discontentment. We're, we're not happy with how things are. Now, before we jump too hard at discontentment, we do need to put a caveat here that there are some good forms of discontentment. There are ways in which uh, we can be discontent for right reasons. Like, like you might be discontent about your spiritual state. I would hope if you're not a Christian, you've not trusted Christ as your Savior today, you are not content with where you're at. And I would pray that you would come to Christ so that you might be content in Him. Uh, the same thing's true of even as Christians, that we're always growing in our faith. And should we, so we shouldn't uh, reach a point of saying we have arrived and we are content with where we are spiritually in our growth. The second area that it's okay for us to be discontent is with the glory of God and His church here on earth. And what I mean here is not that you're going to walk around complaining about the church. Certainly, we don't want uh, you to do that. However, our desire as a church is to not be content uh, with the fact that we have so many people here and there's so many people out there that haven't come to faith in Christ. We're called to be um, ambitious after the glory of God. We want to see everybody bringing glory to God, and we want to see as many people a part of our church growing in their faith. So, so we should uh, be desirous and ambitious about the glory of God in the church. And I, I know um, sometimes in this you, you can become hesitant about um, whether a Christian should be a person who's ambitious, who's after thing, or things, or they should just be content with where they're at. Uh, there's a great book uh, called Rescuing Ambition, Rescuing Ambition by Dave Harvey. And he, he does a good job of taking the Christian framework, filtering out all the ungodly ways to be ambitious and putting in the goal of God's glory in his kingdom as, a, as something we as Christians ought to be ambitious for. And so uh, that's all part of us being discontent with uh, where we see the glory of God and his kingdom here in this world. There's a, there's a third area that we should probably as Christians feel some discontentment, and that's with society, societal evils. Things we see in our culture today, injustices, uh, places we see racism, places we see 
uh, people being unfairly treated, places we see even across the board of uh, from abortions to laws that we would see happen uh, that are not morally right, any of these things, we desire to see justice and this world to be made right. And so we should not be content when this world is broken like that. So there, so there are some ways as a Christian we should feel this lack of contentment with things. But for this study, we're going to talk about uh, sinful discontentment. Ways as Christians that we are sinful in our lack of contentment with the world. And uh, there are multiple ways the Bible talks about this. It can be money and possessions, maybe a way you think of. The chapter in the book with Bridges, he talks, uh, focuses uh, in on really discontentment with an ongoing, unchanging circumstance. He gave several examples I think are helpful for us to think about how this might look. You might be discontent with an unfulfilling or a, a low-paying job. You might be discontent with singleness. Maybe you've been single for a long time or waiting on trying to find someone. Maybe that's an area that you struggle with being content. Maybe you're, you're married and you desire to have children and for whatever reason, the Lord has not a, allowed you to have children yet, and you, you, you're struggling with being content with where the Lord has placed you. Maybe you're in, un, in an unhappy marriage. Maybe your marriage is struggling and things are difficult. And it even moves over to physical disabilities. Maybe it's something you were born with or you've developed that uh, you have a physical disability that you faced in your life. It, it could even be uh, sickness or poor health that you face that's continually going on, something that, that, that is weighing down on you and it is difficult to, to face in life. It, it could even be a circumstance where you feel like your budget is always tight and you're just trying to make it every single day and you struggle with being content with where the Lord has placed you. But here's, here's the thing we have to be careful of. There is a spectrum of how bad you have it. Some of us have it way worse than others. I am certain that just even in those that are watching this video, that some of you know suffering and struggles in this area way better than I do. You, you have faced some hardships that I, I don't completely understand. I've not faced personally. And so it's easy to think, well, he can talk about this. He, he's never faced the struggles I have. But, but temptation in the area of discontentment is available to all levels of difficulty in life. Bridges had a good quote I thought would be helpful. He says, it is our response to our circumstances rather than the degree of difficulty that determines whether we are not we are discontent. It's amazing. You can be discontent in the most difficult, worst suffering, which you think a person naturally would be predisposed to that. But you've seen people that on the brightest, sunniest day of their life, when everything's pretty much going well, they can find something to complain about. They can find something to be depressed about. They, they, even in that moment, they're struggling with the same sin. It's the same way it works uh, with being uh, envious or greedy over things. You, you know, you say the rich person is, in, uh, they love money, they, their greed is found in what they actually have. The poor person, their greed's found in what they actually don't have and want. Either way, the 
heart is greedy. The same thing works here is that discontentment is available all across the spectrum. I've met people that are deep in suffering and somehow this have this abounding joy in Christ and seem absolutely content. And then I've seen people that really have faced very little hardship and yet at the same time they struggle being content with the Lord, what the Lord has given them. And so what I want to do today is just take a moment, we'll look at three different passages of Scripture and I'm going to use the Trinity as a means of looking at the contentment of our life. Because I believe that God uh, wants us to be content with His plan and His working in our life. And so I just want to walk through the Father, the Son, and the Spirit and how that brings and leads to contentment in our life. So the first way that we're led to contentment by God uh, here is that God uh, leads us to contentment by the providence of the Father. The providence of the Father leads to contentment in our life. This is the summary of his entire chapter in the book, will be really found here in this first point, is that we trust God and his sovereignty and our circumstances, and that leads to contentment, knowing that God is the one who's at work and he is our creator. He's the one who made us. He's the one who holds this world together. He's the one watching out over all of creation. He uses a passage you may be familiar with, uh, with Psalm 139, speaking about how God made us. Let me read it to you, and I want you to listen to how God has designed you and me. Verse 13 says, For you formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you, for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance, and in your book were written every one of them. The days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. The Lord made you and made you with great purpose and care and love. He's the one who designed you exactly the way you are. And so as you live out your life, you may face different difficulties. It may be a physical disability. It may be something significant that you've faced, whether it's what you're able to do from day to day is greatly hindered by your physical disability, or maybe you're a fairly healthy person, but you still struggle with comparison to those you're around. You always are looking and saying, well, she's smarter than I am, or you even maybe say, he can do more than I can. I remember in life, uh, this was made pretty clear to me early on as a, as a young boy growing up, I always liked playing sports, but I learned pretty quick as we were running around playing kickball or whatever sport it was, there were people that were just faster than me. And as you end up playing sports, you'll see somebody else might be able to pick up that basketball or pick up that golf club or whatever the sport might be. And they just can do some things you physically can't. And so in life, you start playing the comparison game and you start looking around and say, he can do this, she can do that. It happens in in modern, your modern day life, you look around on Facebook and you start to say, well, look at, look at their life, look at their life, look at how they live. And of course, nobody's going to post anything on Facebook that's bad. 
So you only see the good. And so you live this comparison life, not looking at how God has made you and designed you right. You, you live discontent. You're not happy with how the Lord has gifted you, how he's made you. And you start to breathe this idea in your heart that, you know, God really didn't design me very well. I, I don't have any gifts at all. I can't be used by the Lord. And so we, we begin to become bitter. And uh, it could even be a sickness because it even goes further than some of how we're made. You know, we, get, we deal with a sickness, a physical sickness for a long period of time. You start to struggle with this discontentment and bitterness in your life. Why is it like this? How, how is it that, Lord, you're in the midst of this? We have to trust a sovereign God who's at work in our circumstances, working his good for us. And, and Bridges makes a good distinction in the book between a passive kind of receiving of it and a full acceptance of the Lord's plan for you. I'll distinguish it this way in that a passive uh, kind of acceptance in our life, these are the type things that lead to bitterness. It's just saying, you know what, God, whatever. I, I just, I'll just deal with it. It'll be fine. That's not how the Lord intends for you to approach any of these circumstances. A, an active acceptance is a joyful understanding that God has designed you the way he intended you to be. And you need to now trust his sovereign plan in your life and joyfully receive what he has given you. There's a good quote. Uh, it's an anonymous quote Bridges mentions in the book. But I think it's, uh, it's one we should probably ingest and um, I think it's good for us to hear. He says, Lord, I am willing to receive what you give, to lack what you withhold, and relinquish what you take. Now, now what can you say that today about the circumstances you're in? Just, just look at each of those phrases. Are you willing to receive whatever God may give you today? Understanding that his sovereign hand is giving you what you need at the right time and at work in your life? Are you willing to lack what you withhold? This is where Bridges gives a testimony of at that time in his life when he got this quote is when his first wife had passed away. And he had to be able to embrace the idea that, Lord, today I'm going to lack my wife. She's going to be gone. And I'm receiving that today. I'm accepting that. I'm not, I'm not just dealing with it. I'm not just putting it off. Lord, I understand you are sovereign in this, and I will lack in my life what you withhold. Then finally, you're, you will give up, you'll relinquish what the Lord takes. You're not going to grab onto it. You're not going to try to hold it. You're willing to say, Lord, my hands are open. Whatever it is you desire to take in my life, I understand it is part of your sovereign plan. Are you willing to live open-handed in your life like that today? Because ultimately, there is a Heavenly Father, there is a Father who has made you and has designed you and that is sovereign over all creation. Are you willing to see His overarching movement in your life and to trust how He's at work? But not only is the Father there to help us, but the Son is at work as well. Let me give you the second thing I want you to see is the power of Christ leads to contentment as well. So we have the providence of the Father 
but we also have the power that's found in the Lord Jesus Christ. Now, if you see a Christian athlete uh, operating in the athletic world for very long, you see too many of them, you're going to see Philippians 4.13 placed somewhere. Might be on the under their eye, on the eye black there that's right below their eyes. It might be somewhere listed as their verse. But Philippians 4.13 is a verse speaking about how you're able to do all things through Christ who gives you strength. And so this verse naturally is a perfect verse. Before you go out there and try to win the game, you're going to take Christ with you and you can do all things. You, you are now the superman on the field. You're able to do all things who through Christ who gives you strength. Well, that works pretty good until you lose. And then you think, well, maybe I just didn't have enough faith. And then all of a sudden you turn Philippians 4.13 into the prosperity gospel of athleticism. And as long as I have enough faith and as long as I have Christ, I can, I can do all things. I can win anything. Well, that's not what that verse means. And that's why it might be frustrating to you that you've lost a game or it didn't work out. Uh, the verse actually uh, carries an idea about contentment. Paul speaks about it. So let me read uh, Philippians. We'll back up a couple verses there in chapter 4, and then we'll look at what it means to be content. Verse 11, not that I am speaking of being in need. And listen to what he says. He says, I have learned. So the Lord is, is teaching them this. So this is something we can learn. He says, I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. So no matter what situation you face, Paul learned he's to be content. Now he gives a list. He says, you think it's lighthearted stuff? He says, I know how to be brought low. I know how to be, how to abound in any and every circumstance. I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Now notice the spectrums there. He didn't just say only the bad. He said there actually is a contentment to be found even in having stuff. Some of you, maybe the Lord has blessed you these past few years of your life. You have more and more stuff. You can buy more and more things. And so as you get more and more stuff, you've actually found yourself to be less content because your heart's getting set on those things. The danger of contentment is not just with less, it's with plenty as well. And so Paul says content in no matter what the circumstance you face. And then he gives the verse. Verse 13, I can do all things through him who strengthens me. He says, I can face any of these. I can be content no matter the deck that I'm dealt. No matter the hand that I'm dealt, I can be content in any of these situations. That it's Christ who gives strength through Christ, he can endure anything he faces. So it's not that he can change the circumstances. Remember what I said, it's not the Superman verse, I'm gonna go out there, I can do all things, I'm gonna change what happens. I'm now going to be able to live joyfully and with contentment no matter what you face. And this is why I said earlier, remember I talked about people that maybe have faced what much worse or, or much better? You, you, no matter where you're on the spectrum, you can be discontent with what you're facing. And so Paul says, no matter where I'm at, I have learned to be content. And this is a, the idea here is almost enduring uh, whatever you might face. So let me give kind of, let me give a story here, an example. Um, in 2017, uh, there was a gentleman from Tennessee, he was a doctor. His name was Dr. LeBron Lackey. Now, Dr. Lackey uh, decided to build himself a vacation home. 
beautiful beach home. He decided to build it at Mexico Beach. And so he, he went down, built this uh, beautiful home there. And when he did, he decided that he was going to reinforce this house. He put uh, one foot thick concrete walls. He put extra cables into the roof so that it might hold the roof down. And so every step along the way when there was a building code, he took one step further to try to reinforce this house from whatever hurricane it might face. Well, if you know, in 2018, October of 2018, Hurricane uh, Michael came through and Michael came through with 155 mile an hour winds and just decimated the beach. And you may have seen these pictures. I just, you know, as I was thinking about this, I, I could remember visually seeing these pictures. I, th I thought I'd share them with you. Uh, but after the storm, everything else cleared out but his house. You, you can see just how much the devastation was around it. And, you, and it's amazing even to see that it's barely touched. That there barely anything's happening. There's a front of it. I mean, it looks like uh, it probably did right before the storm, other than I think it washed out the first floor, which actually he built it to have the first floor wash out. And so you see the picture of this house that wasn't built somehow to make the storm go away. It wasn't going to remove the trial or the difficulty of life. The house was built to endure whatever it might face. And so the same picture for us, no matter what storm we may face, no matter what difficulty, no matter what suffering may sit in front of you, you can do all things through Christ. You can endure, you can have victory over these things, you can be content, as he said, no matter the circumstances. And the Lord may be right now in your life teaching you. You might be learning to be content as the Lord is bringing about this plan for your life. And that's the last thing I want to point you to, is the third uh, way that we are led to be content is through the plans of the Holy Spirit. The plan of the Holy Spirit leads us to contentment. So for us, instead of changing our circumstances, the, the Holy Spirit reframes our circumstances. So we're not some victims of the world. We're, we're not just walking around uh, victims of whatever terrible things may happen because God doesn't just redeem you. He redeems your life, your circumstances, whatever you face. Now let's take Let's take Romans 8 for this passage. And let's look at this, uh, the struggles that Paul faced and how he was able to have victory over these struggles. So read with me in Romans 8, verse 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. Now verse 37. Know in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. So here Paul is talking about suffering and the struggles of life and all these things that might appear to separate you from the love of Christ. And Instead of just simply being the one who endures the storm, he uses this phrase and says, you are now more than conquerors. You are uper or super uh, conquerors. You are the ones who are going to 
to overcome, but not just overcome, you're going to have this victory over whatever difficult circumstances you're in. This means God flips it on the head from what looks like defeat is now to your advantage. And how, how does he do that? And he does that through what you know just a few verses before in Romans 8, 28. We know that God works all things for the good of those who love him. And all this is done, if you know Romans 8, it is by the work of the Spirit. The Spirit is mentioned all through the chapter about God's Spirit at work in us. And how is His Spirit at work in us? It is in uh, work in us so that God takes whatever is sent to us, whatever difficult circumstances, and He uses it for our good. So now what was ever meant to separate us from Christ or to remove us or to hurt us is now actually our victory. It's now the thing that in our life allows us to live as a conquering Christian over whatever circumstance we might in through the Spirit's work. And so, so here we are as Christians now because of the work of the Spirit able to be more than conquerors no matter what we face because this reframes every circumstances. Not only do we see the providence of God in it, not only do we have the power of Christ at work in us, but what we do have is the Spirit of God at work turning our circumstances so that they're working for good in our hearts so that we're more like Christ. And now we can look at a circumstance and no longer, now here's where I'm going with discontentment, we no longer look at it and say, oh, I'm the victim. Now we say, Lord, what is it you're doing in this moment? If you're in the midst of something, you're really struggling with what, what, what's happening, you need to not be asking God why. You need to be asking God, what is it you want me to do? This is my assignment in this moment. God, you have placed me here right now for this very thing. How is it you want me to be faithful to you with where you place me? You can't just sit there and think, what about over there? You need to think about what about right here? There's a, there's a quote from Oswald Chambers. He he has the famous devotional, and, and in it, uh, I think, is a helpful thought uh, when it comes to thinking about over there. He says, God may, however God may engineer your circumstances, your duty is to pray. He says, never allow this thought. I am of no use where I am, because you certainly cannot be used where you have not yet been placed wherever God has placed you and whatever your circumstances, you should pray, continually offering up your prayers to him. And he promises, whatever you ask in my name, that I will do. Stop looking around and being discontent with where the Lord has placed you and say, well, I wish I was over there. I wish I was like this person. I wish I had this thing. I wish God would do this different. I wish this would be here. Instead say, God, I know in your sovereignty, you have placed me here. I know that Jesus Christ gives me strength for whatever I face today. I know that the Holy Spirit is taking these circumstances in me and making them, making it to where I am more than a conqueror today. So then the question then becomes, God, what is it you want to do with me right now? So you don't live in discontentment. You now live in the joy of the purposes of Christ because He desires to use 
use you no matter where you're at because he has placed you right there and made you for that moment. May we be people who bring glory to God and we're out after his kingdom and his church. We're ambitious for his glory so that we might we might praise him and our lives might be useful to him. Let me pray for us and we'll be done. Heavenly Father, we thank you for the great hope we have in Christ, the victory over whatever difficult circumstances we face. And Lord, we pray that you would give us content hearts. No matter whatever we face through, the, through Christ, we might trust you, we might praise you, and Lord, we might bring glory to you and be useful to your kingdom no matter where you have placed us today. We pray all these things in Christ's name. Amen.